Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. everyone and welcome to another brand new episode of the geek buddies we're excited to be back again for another week to talk about some geeky goodness in the world of entertainment and uh the three of us are so having so much fun talking about this every week we're back into 2022 which is really exciting we got so much to talk about today we're going to talk about some raid news some turning red news we got some we're going to tease what our five favorite movies coming out in 2022 the ones we're looking forward to the most in 2022 is our main topic and shannon's going to hook us up with some trailers and trailers and trailers to talk about as well so sit back relax and enjoy our show today let's introduce ourselves i am the outlaw john roker writer producer and host here on the outlaw nation and the geek buddies i am michael vogel i'm a writer and producer of animated tv shows and movies and this is shannon mcclung i'm an animation writer and a television actor where i'm on hold for something right now so hopefully next week we'll get official news we'll see All right, send out good thoughts for him, ladies and gentlemen. That is happening, uh, possibly, for Shannon McClung. Uh, gentlemen, how are you feeling? We're in our second week of January. How are things? Let me check in with you, too. How are we feeling? Are we excited? We we keep losing people left and right. We recently lost mm. Bob Saget on the heels of losing Betty White and Ronnie Spector yesterday. Um, just it's a little bit of a you. tough start. What do you think it is about the new year? I mean, what did I saw a meme that was like 2022 is like the boyfriend that you're that tells you they've changed and you're going to take them back a third time. <laughs> like, look, I got I got sick last weekend. Maybe yeah. maybe it was COVID. Maybe it wasn't since the rapid tests don't really tell you with Omicron. Possibly it's hard to say. Maybe we'll talk to our friends at Carbon Health about that one. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just getting better. I've got a lot of work. All my friends are dropping like flies left and right. I've been, wow. after I stopped isolating, I started driving around and delivering Gatorade and soup to people on their doorsteps. Oh, so that's sweet. 
I am I am telling you, 2022, I don't trust you. I don't trust you yet. I think 22 is 22 is like the last part of the workout where you're like, oh my God, I just gotta get through this. And I'll get to go home and shower and drink my Gatorade or whatever. Shannon, how are you feeling as we go into 2022? Any thoughts on the loss of Bob Saget, either of you? I mean, Shannon, first, of course. I mean, uh, what a terrible loss here. Sudden loss. Certainly nobody expected it. Died in his sleep, apparently, peacefully. Yeah, I mean, he was, what, in his mid-60s? I mean, and, yep. and then you you watch all these people from the stand-up community who who come out and talk about him because, you know, he was sort of made famous by his role in Full House right. and unbeknownst to a lot of the folks that watch TGIF, he was a truly filthy uh, stand-up comedian. <laughs> <laughs> so then post Full House, like he really kind of leaned into the foul mouth act. But I mean, all the people that have come out, it's just like, this was one of the, one of the nicest men on the planet. I've had a few folks who one worked with him in the stand-up circuit, but also mm. uh, worked with him on the reboot, the Fuller House, oh, and wow. uh, she specifically talked about the the bond that he and Dave Coulier and John Stamos had. Just like you right. know, these three guys, you know, they were they had literally become brothers over the mm. last thirty years. And yeah, man, I mean, it came out that yeah, he just passed away in his sleep, and. Yeah. I think if, you know, if that's the way you're going to, if that's the way, if you're going to go, I mean, that seems like a, you just wake up and you don't, you, you go to sleep and you don't wake up. That seems yeah. like a very peaceful way to go, but certainly very sad. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely one of those people that like my, my first uh, introduction to Bob Saget was Full House. Right. And then I subsequently turned on a comedy special of his and was <laughs> surprised. Uh, but I mean, even despite that, like, I mean, I think like Bob Saget, like if you grew up in a certain era uh he was one of those tv dads that you like yeah. saw every week and you know it's like those people that are just sort of a part of your upbringing a part of your life mm -hmm. and you know we talked about it with betty white like betty white's passing was really sad but yeah. she passed she had a full life i mean she made it all the way to 99 and uh and so you know like 65 is definitely uh he had a lot more years ahead of him so it definitely is more tragic and sad i think yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have a, a very strong connection with him. And everybody said, even on those roasts, like I was watching some of the Bob Saget roasts and Greg Giraldo said, it's insane. Nobody has anything negative to say about you, which is why it made it one of the most difficult roasts to do. And so that tells you volumes. That's a tough thing to see in this entertainment business where no one has anything negative to say about him. And so shout out to him and his family. Um, you know, we send our thoughts of comfort, our wishes for our, you know, our condolences and our wishes for, um, a you know, as smooth as possible journey to, uh, through dealing with this loss for sure. And that's, we're going to hear, that's why we don't, that's why we yeah. don't have a roast for you, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. There's just nothing, there's nothing bad to say. It would be so short. Like we just, we've talked about it, but it's like, how can you have a roast for John Roca, the outlaw? Like what, what could you possibly say? <laughs> what could you possibly say? <laughs> What you guys never, what you guys always forget is there's a retort at the end for the roastee. So, you know, all bets are off. So, but we'll see if we'll do oh. it. Oh. oh, we're writers. <laughs> so am I. I'm a tweeter. I'm a tweeter. <laughs> um, your, your, retort, your retort can only be 140 characters. It's 280, baby. I'm across that line. I, got, I get 280. I, I have to think that throughout the roast, John would just be on his phone the whole time going into drafts mode. All right, well, fuck you. And yeah, you, know. you at MK Toon just said da, 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 da. that would be brilliant. <laughs> uh, 
We should do a live Geek Buddies roast. That'd be hilarious. All right. Oh, anyway. Uh, but anyway, we're going to get into things. Before we do, we just want to give a big shout out to Carbon Health, who sponsors and powers our show, as well as the Outlaw Nation. Thanks so much to them. You know, they're a leading national health care provider. You can go and look them up at www.carbonhealth.com. See if there's a clinic near you. They're doing testing now. They're doing testing if you're going to go overseas, if you're going to travel. They're also doing virtual care for anybody who's like kind of a shut in or doesn't want to leave the house or is worried about it or is immunocompromised. There's all kinds of things that are available for you at carbonhealth.com please go and patronize them and do me a favor if you go there do us a favor if you go there tweet at us and let us know you went let us know you had a good experience so we can retweet carbon health and let them know hey it's working people are going thanks to the geek buddy suggesting for them to go and i heard that their clinics are not overwhelmed right now so you should find them if you're trying to get these tests and a lot of people are having trouble getting these tests mike and shannon all over the country if you yeah, go in to I get act- a test and you can if you go in from Geek Buddies to get a test, go in and be like, I think I've got COVID. Hey, hey! like that. Exactly. <laughs> and please videotape yourself or video yourself doing that. Please don't do that. They'll stop sponsoring us. <laughs> and, and, and and be prepared to be uh, escorted out. Abruptly. Oh, <laughs> yeah, God. abruptly, quite quickly. That's, that's a very good point. Uh, and one last thing, as I said here, they've got uh, their brand promises. Everyone deserves good health, and they make high-quality health care accessible for everyone, whether you're making an ass of yourself or not. So that's a good thing. All right, let's jump into this thing. This is how it works for those of you who are new. For those of you who are not new, thanks so much for staying with us. With us. But for those of you who are new, each one of us uh, presents a geek news item. We talk about it amongst ourselves. There's three geek news items, and we take a break and jump into our main topic. And our main topic is the top five films we're looking forward to seeing in 2022. So uh, I guess I start off today, and I'm talking about the raid ladies and gentlemen the raid it is happening here there's a remake happening uh this came over the wire a couple of days ago uh the raid is a 2011 film from gareth evans if you guys seen gangs of london that's the same guy same creator he made this film in 2011 it's a but it was about an elite indonesian swat team that, that becomes trapped in a rundown apartment building run by a ruthless mobster living in the penthouse and populated by his personal army of killers and thugs. If you've seen this movie, you know this is some of the best fight sequences and action sequences that you're ever going to see. But here are three people being, and and there have been rumors about a remake for quite some time, but these are the three people that are finally apparently going to do it, and that is filmmakers Michael Bay, Patrick Hughes, who's done the Hitman's Bodyguard series, and Gareth Evans coming back to be a part of this as an executive producer. It will be at Netflix and XYZ Films. Apparently, it's going to be set in Philadelphia in the drug-infested Badlands, where an elite undercover DEA task force climbs a ladder of cartel informants to catch an elusive kingpin. Shannon, you've seen The Raid. Uh, what do you think about this idea of a remake and then adding uh, Gareth, uh, sorry, adding Michael Bay and Patrick Hughes to Gareth Evans' vision for this? Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not so sure about this one. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, uh, I, I actually enjoy a lot of Michael Bay's work. I mean, I, I accept it for what it is going in. Um, some of his movies that do not have transforming, ro- uh, transforming robots in them. Um, cause Transformers one, I think is a great movie, but I mean, he's made some really good smaller movies like Pain yeah. and Game. That's hours. a great movie. It, yeah. it kind of depends. Yes. Yes. 13 hours. I think it will depend on the Michael Bay who shows up for this. Mm. Um, is it Transformers Michael Bay, where you're literally throwing everything at the screen? Or is it sort of the 
uh, withholding Michael Bay, the, the guy it looks like he's the guy who looks like he directed Ambulance that's coming out in April, well, I believe. To clarify real quick, um, he's not directing. He's one of the executive producers with Gareth Evans. Patrick Hughes is the one directing. And here's where we might have some concern. The Hitman's bodyguard guy is apparently going to direct the new take. I mean, the Hitman's Bodyguard, I thought for what it was, was a funny movie. I have okay. not seen what is it, the Hitman Hitman's Bodyguard's wife? Is that yeah. the one with Salma Hayek, the sequel? Yeah. Um, I actually think it's I actually think that was kind of a funny movie. Okay. Um, what Michael Bay brings to the table, it you know, I mean, it, I mean I'm assuming they're producing it through Platinum Dunes, which I, yeah. is his uh, production company. Um, you know, he's Michael Bay has produced a ton of stuff that I have thought was good and some yep. that I thought was not so good. Um, the Hitman's Bodyguard, you know, the action doesn't stand out to me as the thing that is memorable about that movie. It's it's yeah. the relationships, the relationship between uh, Ryan Reynolds and Samuel Jackson. Um, so I don't know how that translates to a remake of The Raid. Like yeah. those seem like two very different movies to me. Yeah. Um but you know we'll see. I mean, I again, I thought the Hitman's Bodyguard was funny, based off of whatever we get, and uh, in terms of a trailer, will sort of dictate how I feel about the movie going forward. Yeah, uh, Mike, the raid has these comedic moments, but they're not for comedy. It's more like a break in the insane yeah. action. So you're just kind of smiling because you have no other reaction to certain situations. Um, do you anticipate that these are the right three people to bring together to work together to? do a remake of this incredible uh, action film hand to hand I, que I question making a remake of an incredible action film that's just barely 10 years old i mean 10 years old now i guess a little over 10 years. like i mean yeah fair there's if it's if, if a movie is really great and everyone's like that was fucking awesome like remake it 25 years later maybe 30 years later mm. but like we're we're in a window where it's like if the movie's great go watch it right so i'm i'm kind of like a it's are these the right guys to do it? Maybe uh, I, I have the same questions about like the comedy to action balance that you guys brought up, but mm -hmm. mostly I'm just kind of like, cool. Why? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a great point. Cause I mean, we're hearing a train to Busan remake. We're hearing all these, you know, the, how many of these remakes that have transferred over from uh, Asian based films or I know Gareth Evans is not Asian, but still, the fact that he did this and it was an Asian-based film in terms of the characters and, and where it was set, how many of them really work when they transfer over into the American market? Not that many. So the concern, I mean, look at Old Boy. That's a terrible remake from Spike Lee. So you go, you go and watch this, you, you go and look at this situation, you wonder if this is the right deal because, I mean, are, is Gareth Evans going to be pushed by Michael Bay trying to make it more of a populist take? And you hire someone like the the director from Hitman's Bodyguard. That's more of a funny comedic take on this. So are we gonna? I mean, is Ryan Reynolds gonna get cast the lead of this? That's my concern. Is it becomes too funny and the action is only um, adjacent to the comedy, not the comedy adjacent to the action? But also, I mean, I think there's also the idea of like, look, even ten years ago, a little bit further, like mm. if there was a movie that came out. Uh, in a different language, in a different country, in a different place, right. uh, the way the movie market worked, the general audience maybe didn't always see it as much. Right, like, you right. know, specific people would still seek things out, and people who are really into cinema would go see this, go see that. But like, look at Squid Game. Like, we're we're living yeah. in an era where the the um, 
the 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 idea of viewing something that is from another country that's a great movie that has subtitles or yeah. that is different or whatever like that's not a giant hurdle for people anymore so yeah. again it's like doing these remakes now i mean i agree with you most of the time when a movie happened in another country and it got remade in america the remake wasn't great like that's mm-hmm. that's usually the case um but even with that People are watching movies and other like thanks to Netflix, yeah. thanks to streamers. Like this is not a giant hurdle anymore. So again, it's just sort of like cool. Or is it going to be better? Right, right. And, yeah, and he says probably not. And you know, and nothing uh, reaffirms your point more, Mike, than the fact that Netflix, uh, um, Squid Game, got nominated for SAG Awards. No one yeah. saw that coming. No one saw that coming. So pretty incredible stuff. So we'll see. I mean. I want to err on the side of hopefulness because I love Michael Bay and I like Gareth. I love Mike Gareth Evans. I like uh, Patrick Hughes. So I hope it works out and it's a great remake, but if they blunt the sharpness of that original for the American audience, like they did with girl with dragon tattoo, that Fincher mm. version, uh, I'm going to be super pissed in my, in my opinion. So, cause I love the rate. Um, all right. Where are we off to next? I think Shannon, you have it next. Yes. No, I think it's Vogel. Oh, Vogel. Sorry. Vogel, please take it away. Um, thank you, Shannon. Uh, well, speaking of pissed, uh, animation fans are pissed, uh, and they are pissed because Disney announced this week that Pixar's latest movie, Turning Red, um, which we've been talking about for a few weeks now, or a few months now, like as, as the trailers have been coming out, uh, you know, the latest feature, uh, about a girl named May who turns into a giant red panda when she gets emotional, um, that is coming out in March is no longer coming out in theaters. It is going directly to Disney plus. Now this is the third Pixar movie that is not going into theaters and is going directly to Disney plus. There was soul, there was Luca, and now there is turning red. Uh, and so everyone was kind of surprised by this. Like the trailer has been in theaters for a while now. Uh, everyone's been stoked about it. It was going to be a theatrical release. Didn't seem like there was any issue. And then all of a sudden, um, kind of unbeknownst to anyone why, Disney Plus made this announcement. So there's obviously been a lot of conjecture, a lot of articles about it, a lot of questions about it. Um, it is worth mentioning. I don't think this is the reason, but it is worth mentioning that these last three movies uh, were a movie starring a black man, a movie mm. about uh, an Italian, uh, barely oh, yeah. almost gay relationship. It was uh, call me what calamari by your name. Luca. Oh boy! <laughs> and then um, <laughs> and then Silencio Bruno. Silencio Bruno. And then uh, Turning Red, which is about an Asian family in Canada in the early 2000s. So there's a lot of questions about that. Um, I don't know that that necessarily fully tracks, given that Encanto is currently, like, you know, ripping it up. uh, But it's not a Pixar. No, but I mean, I'm saying, like, the reasons people who are saying, well, they're just putting all of their minority films on Mm. streaming. With Encanto going into theaters, I don't know that that's the case. Right. Um, I've heard rumors that Turning Red didn't test great, and so they got worried. But a lot of articles are saying, and I do think this is actually probably the reason, is it's not actually a Disney not having confidence in Pixar. It's actually the opposite. Um, 
Bob Chapek has made no bones about the fact that he's way more interested in the future of streaming than he is yeah. in the future of movie theaters. And most of these companies, you know, you look at what HBO Max did with doing all of their releases, like they're, they want big box office. It's great. We all talk about it. It's great to say that this movie's tearing up the box office. This movie did this. But long term, I think all of these companies are way more interested in how many people do we have subscribing each month to our service. Mm -hmm. And because Pixar is a marquee name, a lot of people are saying what they're actually doing is not being punitive to Pixar, what they're actually doing is, hey, we're keeping the Pixar stuff here. You have to have Disney Plus to see it. Right. Now, is that true? Maybe, maybe not. Um, also hearing that a lot of people at working at Pixar are just super bummed right now, which I do think is probably true. Like for them to just be like putting all of their Pixar love, sweat and tears into these movies and constantly not get to go see them in theaters definitely sucks. Um, so that is what's going on with Turning Red. Uh, also have some news on Encanto, but first, what do you guys think about all of this? Why do you think Turning Red is going to Disney Plus, and do you think it's good or bad? Yeah, I mean, I, I, my, I didn't even think about the fact that they are, you know, uh, people of color, that the leads are people of color. Like, that hit me, and I just didn't even think about that. And yes, you know, you can argue Luca one way or the other, but still, it's a fish, and it's essentially supposed to symbolize being an other. Um that is wow i hadn't thought about that so that's a little bit of a, a a little bit of a hit there but like but i also think on my in my mind like this has been disney's approach since they moved Iger out and chapek came in chapek came in with that kind of pedigree of being good for the direct to consumer stuff that's his approach so they were one of the people one of one of the uh, studios that was well equipped to make this transition when covid happened more than the other studios so Iger left just a few days uh, what a couple weeks ago uh at the turning of the year so then they make this announcement this feels like the approach that they're going and they're not releasing the money had that they made you know trolls yeah. world tour made like 300 million dollars they didn't say how much uh luca made they didn't say how much um uh soul made and they didn't say how much, uh, and they won't tell you how much Turning Red made. So there has to be some kind of reason for this happening other than inspiring people to keep subscribing or stay subscribing because Pixar is way too prominent and accomplished to be used in that manner. It seems weird. Well, but, well, actually, Shannon, go ahead. And then I have, I have, a, I have a, a counter to what you're saying, okay. but Shannon, go ahead first. Well, yeah, a couple of thoughts. From the filmmaker's perspective, when you're dealing with the legacy of Pixar, you look at what came before you, um, yeah. you know, you, you understand the frustration that they assumed they were making something for one platform right. for the big screen, and you find out it's going to, it's going to Disney+. Plus. So even though that, as you had said, Vogel, there is an argument that that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like Disney+, Plus, they are trying to position to kind of be the crown jewel of Disney right mm -hmm. now. Like this, mm -hmm. this is the future of, of entertainment viewing is mm -hmm. going to be streaming at home. But as a filmmaker, as someone, you know, who, who, as you said, poured your blood, sweat and tears into this to find out that the opportunity to see it on that giant screen has been taken away. I can understand the frustration um, with Disney plus because of COVID, like back in 2020, mm -hmm. um, knowing that they suddenly took all these movies, like there was the inevitable comparison to something going straight to Disney Plus as something going straight to Blockbuster mm -hmm. back in the 90s. Like, you know, you looked at you looked at the movies that did go to Disney Plus right away, like Artemis Fowl. Like, 
not right. a great movie. There, right. it, it seemed like the the stuff that they did not have any confidence in that they're like, you know what? When this comes out, when theaters are back open, it's not going to make a lot of money. Let's just get it out there now to have sort of some mm -hmm. premium content. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that is something that they're trying. It seems like they're trying to rectify right now and putting the Pixar stuff, even though it is a blow to the filmmakers. Um, it seems like that's how they're trying to do it. Like Pixar, Disney Plus is the only place you can see the new Pixar movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it was something that I was looking forward to seeing on the big screen. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I think if you are a filmmaker, it sucks. I yeah. think for every for every animator, designer, rigger, writer, everyone at Pixar, I think this just kind of makes you bummed, and I do feel bad for them. But when we're looking at the future of everything, here are some interesting facts. Uh, so okay. Encanto, um, which came out uh, Thanksgiving weekend, mm -hmm. um, when it came out, uh, it uh, it didn't do, it did fine. It didn't do great um, at the box office. It did decent. Mm -hmm. The reviews were amazing. Yeah. But it definitely wasn't blowing up. And like, if you just even look at the music, uh, the soundtrack by Lin-Manuel Miranda, mm -hmm. big Disney movie, debuted at number 197 on the Billboard 200 album chart. Right, uh, wow. Then, then Encanto came out over Christmas right. on Disney+. Plus. Uh, people are going crazy uh, this week, weeks and weeks and weeks after it released. Yeah. We Don't Talk About Bruno is number five on the Billboard charts. Mm -hmm. uh, and in addition to that, uh, it is, uh, let's see, number one on Spotify's US Top 50 chart, topping YouTube's Music Songs and Music Videos chart. And according to TikTok, more than 146,000 videos have been created using We Don't Talk About Bruno, yeah. racking up over 469 million views and counting, um, with videos highlighting the choreography, Latino representation, and uncovering Bruno Easter eggs in the movies, poster art, and in the songs. So I do think that when you look at the success of Encanto, and like, if you just look at Twitter, I mean, I saw Encanto opening weekend, I loved it. I sketched some stuff, but even looking at Twitter, there was a couple people talking about Encanto. And then over Christmas break, Encanto tweets, Encanto TikToks, people talking, sketching, drawing, obsessing about Encanto yeah. blew up. So I think even though Disney Plus, just like all the streamers, doesn't release all their information, when you do look at the reaction to Encanto when it came out in theaters, looking at the music, looking at everything, versus... Mm -hmm the reaction on Disney Plus, and granted, we are in a pandemic. People yeah. don't want to go to theaters. This might not be a forever thing. But certainly for right now, the pop culture phenomenon part of a movie, which is also something any filmmaker really wants to have, is happening on streaming, not in theaters. Yeah, yeah. That's a fair point. And you're right. I mean, like, there were those of us who went to see it and loved Encanto and were trumpeting it. And it wasn't until, as you said, it dropped to Disney Plus that all of a sudden everybody else kind of got on board and you see what happens uh, and the power of that. And also, look, Disney Plus subscribers in the last quarter were down from the previous quarter. So in terms of the amount of new subscribers that they got. So, you know, there's this desire to keep that side of things going, as Shannon kind of alluded to. So adding this new content here kind of helps people stay aboard, helps families kind of stay aboard this train or encourages new families to uh, to join this and see that they're getting new content, first run content on the channel. So, yeah, I, that makes sense, I guess. Uh, but also, it, it, I know we got to move on from this, but is there a concern that animation is starting to slowly kind of 
move away financially uh, uh, from the heights that it had been in the past? Do you think this is a troubling trend as you two gentlemen who work in animation? Is this concern you? Because, I mean, I know we're in a, in a pandemic and everything has to be seen through that prism. But if we come out of this pandemic and the animation numbers are still not as high as people thought, are we heading towards where a lot of these go to, to streaming for a service over theatrical? Well, again, I think that's presupposing this idea that Shannon was kind of alluding to, which is mm. streaming is a second tier window. I think that yeah, right. what what the evidence is really pointing yeah. to is not that streaming is. A right. I mean, look at like not even like feature animation, but look at Arcane, look at Invincible right. on Amazon Prime, um, look at all of the shows that are coming out. Like, if anything, animation is booming, yeah. and the Good types point. of stories that animation is telling, the types of characters, the types of stories, all of it is actually driving people towards streamers. So I think that we still live, and I think we're all guilty of it, not just you. We all kind of think, oh theatrical release big important thing yeah. tv not as important and the fact is that we are literally living through an era where that is just drastically changing yeah. and it's so fun. we're still going to have those things that come out in theaters but i mean i think that if anything animation is going to continue to be mm. a huge draw uh, and the streamers are going to start doing more and more and more and more animation, and to the benefit of everybody, more varied animation. I mean, just look at Arcane. You're going to get these high-quality, uh, big-budget, mature stories in animation that we never would have gotten in a theatrical release. So, yeah, yeah. okay, right. yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and, and Vogel pretty much said it all. But like with the like when we were growing up, there was sort of from an adult's point of view. Um, it wasn't necessarily cool for an American adult to be like, "Hey, I'm going to go see a, I'm going to go see an animated feature." Right. Um, right. That's changed. That's changed. I mean, yeah. and you know, the 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 era that we were in, we're not in it anymore. And now, like with adults focusing more on sort of that more mature m mature animation, like Arcane, I, I think I think you're going to see more and more content. And at some point, I think we will see a return, a big animated return to the theaters. All right. Uh, well, uh, all right. Sounds good. I mean. I'm looking forward to it. I hope it's good. I hope the what you mentioned earlier, Michael, the the whether it's uh, getting the right response and whether it's uh, you know not testing well. I hope this is kind of just like you know words in the wind, and that eventually when it comes out, people will like it because yeah. it's look it looks fantastic from the trailer. I mean, look, I hope I hope for Pixar's sake, I hope for everybody who worked on the movie that when it comes out on Disney Plus, people freak out about it like they did about Encanto. So yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, and all I, right, and, and well, also and also by the way, we'll talk about it in our main topic. Mm -hmm. I am sure that Lightyear is going to be the Pixar movie that comes out in theaters. <laughs> White lead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> White male lead. <laughs> uh, Shannon, what do you got for us, man? Trailers, trailers, trailers. Hey. It's been a while, but we've got three trailers this week for three very different, uh, very different uh, viewing options on three different platforms. First, the theater option, which was a trailer that I saw yesterday that made me double over laughing called Studio 666. Mm. So if you have not seen this trailer, <laughs> it is essentially what would happen if the Foo Fighters uh, were recording an album in a cursed house and the evil malevolent forces take over Dave Grohl. This trailer, like I had no idea what this was. I randomly clicked on it on a site and I thought, I was like, this is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> that this is the type of movie that could have been like an all-star cast movie but the fact that dave grohl apparently came up with this story and 
within the music industry, everybody loves Dave Grohl. Mm. The 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 footage that they show where Dave Grohl is the guy who is possessed, very very funny. The other members of Foo Fighters seem very very funny. You have some uh, other uh, comedic performers popping up, like Will Forte. Uh, gentlemen, what did you all think? I noticed when I texted it yesterday, there was no response. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what did you all think of our first look at Studio Six Six Six? Mikey, what did you think? Every once in a while, you say something that makes me really question the decades-long friendship that we have. So like Shannon said, when we're trying to figure out what we're going to cover and trailers are coming, like we're always texting each other like all day, every day. <clears throat> and I usually get a little bit behind. So like when these guys are like, oh, here's the trailers we're going to talk about, I don't always watch them right at that second. And then I'll be like, oh, shit, we got to cover Geek Buddies. Let me watch these trailers. My reaction to this trailer was not the same as Mr. McClung's reaction to this trailer. My reaction to this trailer was like, the fuck is this? <laughs> Here, Shannon McClung, the Shannon McClung quote. This trailer was hilarious. It's about what happens if the Foo Fighters try and record an album in a cursed house. Yeah. My reaction to this. This is about the Foo Fighters trying to record an album <laughs> in a cursed house? The fuck is this? I was like... This is not high on my list for 2022. Let's just say that. <laughs> well, I mean, I think what's incredible when you look at it, the trailer has almost has over 2 million views on it, which is pretty incredible. Of course, you got the Foo Fighters, a very beloved group uh, that has been around for quite some time. And Dave Grohl, I mean, no surprise. Came, this is essentially, uh, I bet every person who's a part of a band watched this and was like, yeah, this is totally a lead singer's thing, where they, of course, would be the one possessed. They're the one acting like an a-hole trying to make sure we get this album done. It's taking, in essence, that story and going to the next level with it and turning the lead singer into a possessed demon, which is probably a lot of bands would tell you that most of their lead singers act like possessed demons when they're trying to get stuff done, which is very frustrating. So it works. But shout out to Dave Grohl. I mean, this is a guy who really, after the death of Kurt Cobain, what are you going to do? Starts his own group. Is it going to take off? It becomes massive. I would argue, because it's lasted longer, possibly a bigger footprint than nirvana yeah people might get upset about that but possibly and then boom let's move into this and I, you know i liked him in those um spotify commercials or what uh, serious xm commercials that he's been doing where they're all in the same house he's very funny so giving him a chance to kind of showcase what he can do and isn't this the basic thing if you want to be in something write something and put yourself in it well He's got the money. He's earned the cachet. So why not write something and put yourself in it? So the most basic rule of filmmaking is right there for y'all to see. And you got Whitney Avalon. You got Will Forte. You got uh, Jeff Garland. You got other people who are going <laughs> to add comedic, you know, colors to this that are going to help it. I mean, Lionel Richie, who doesn't age, for God's sakes, is in this He thing. really doesn't age. I mean, what the <laughs> fuck, man? I mean, seriously. I know black don't crack, but it's got to crack a little bit. And it's nothing well, there. It's <laughs> I think he's had some assistance with the cracking. Uh, maybe. Well, <laughs> I might that I might need to start calling his assistance. Let me just say that right now. But I I love this uh, as an idea, and it feels very much in the trauma <clears throat> vein, like Toxic Avenger type vein. And there's definitely a big audience for people who like that kind of stuff. And listen, uh, Peacemaker dropped last night, and James Gunn is a big trauma guy. So the vibe, that essence is bubbling back to the surface now with a lot of uh, film goers uh, and film viewers. So why not try this out? 
I like it. I mean, and lucky for lucky for everyone, maybe not Vogel. This comes out February twenty fifth, <laughs> very very soon. I am sure. I am sure. I am gonna be wrong. Like we are gonna be here a month from now. I'm gonna be like, guys, it was great. It was so funny. I'm super shocked. Like, I'm always happy. I'm always yeah. happy to be wrong in that direction. Like, I'm always happy to not be excited about something and then be like, nope, you got me. Yeah, that was great. That's true. <laughs> uh, note to self write a horror film about animation showrunner being possessed trying to make sure no well, just joking wait, wait, no wait. but you know it was like the funny thing about it is because it's his idea like i don't know like maybe this is like just a writer thing but like everyone like i at least when i was like first writing like in middle school and high school would be yeah. writing stories like it's always stories about your friends it's like oh, yeah. oh me and my friends went on a field trip to gotham city or like me and my friends went to a haunted house and got possessed and so like watching this trailer i was like this is like everyone starting out writing hey guys what if we like tried to make our next album in a haunted house like it was totally like that and i'm like uh, we'll see how this goes i uh, think it's gonna be funny and it, since it comes out a week after uncharted if uncharted it does oh. not check all the boxes off for your cinematic tastes maybe studio 66 yeah. will fill the void we shall <laughs> so, right. our next trailer is gonna be coming out on hbo max from steven soderbergh starring zoe kravitz called kimmy so this is essentially um, rear window in the digital age if, yeah. uh, you, if your Alexa suddenly uh, became a witness to a murder. Um, this looked like a really, really, again, this was something I randomly clicked on. Mm. Looks like a very, very cool movie. Stars Zoe Kravitz, Rita Wilson. Um, yeah, gentlemen, what did you all think of our first look at Kimmy? What's that? What's his face who does the voice of um, L. Ron Hubbard? For that podcast, wasn't that him too on the on the computer? Oh, Andy Daly. That was Andy Daly, right? Someone saw murder. Look, I enjoyed uh, this trailer, but I don't know who this is for, to be honest with you, because uh, I don't want the younger generation ain't going back to watch Hitchcock films. I've I've discovered that lately, being a part of the Schmodown. The younger generation really doesn't want to have classic films be a part of these questions anymore. They get upset when they come up. Uh, and so you're sensing that move away from it, you know? And so I, I wonder who this is for, because Disturbia made sense. We were still kind of in that idea of appreciating great filmmakers and going back to the past and enjoy those films. So that homage to Rear Window, uh, I think worked. I liked it actually uh, with Shia LaBeouf and, and thought it was good. This feels way too modern, way too technological, but maybe for the younger generation who is really in touch with all the TikTok generation who's really plugged into all of this, this feels very believable. Where that Black Mirror episode, you know, where that thing, you know, like your, your consciousness was put inside that, that at the time felt groundbreaking. This is kind of the next level of that with um, an appeal to the younger audience. So I don't know. It, I'm certainly going to watch it because it's Soderbergh, but it didn't 100% get me excited to see it. What about you, Mike? Uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, this is like the opposite of the raid thing. Like, I don't think that you, I mean, this is definitely a modern take on Rear Window if you are a Hitchcock fan and you watch Rear Window. Sure. But I think if you've never seen Rear Window, Rear Window is far enough in the rearview mirror sure. that, uh, that it can be a fresh new thing. And I think that the ideas behind Rear Window that made that movie work, whether you know that this is a reference to that or not, are really relevant today. And like watching this trailer, I mean, I was super into this trailer. I'm very excited okay. to see this. I think it looks really cool. Um, but like watching this, I couldn't help but think about like when the net with Sandra Bullock mm. came out and right. it was like at the very beginnings of the internet and the idea that this person like 
ordered all their food and never left their house was like, oh, that's crazy. But we've all just lived through a fucking pandemic where we all basically did that. And then yeah. there was even that Will Smith movie, a Will Smith, Gene Hackman, Enemy of the State, yeah. where it was all about surveillance and how everyone's always watching you, which at the time was like, oh, man, like the paranoia of the government. But we all have Alexas in our house. It's listening to everything mm. I say. Like we like it like this movie feels like those movies, except even more relevant because we really have entered that era. So yeah. to me, kind of watching this trailer, I was like, this looks pretty exciting and really relevant for now. Mm. And if you are a Hitchcock fan, definitely Shades of Rewindow. Yeah, you mentioned Enemy of the State. That's essentially a lot of people feel is a sequel to The Conversation. Gene Hackman playing right. essentially the same character. So, yeah, interesting point. Shannon, what did you think? You know, I really liked it. I thought it was okay. really, really cool. And to what you were saying about, like, you know, the younger audiences aren't really turning up for Hitchcock anymore, I think there is probably some space now where people can yeah. use some of Hitchcock's films as a, as a launch pad. Right. And, when, and, and then maybe that's they kind of discover Hitchcock through the back door mm -hmm. that you find out, like, oh, this was actually based on something way back when. Yeah. Um, yeah, the idea that Zoe Kravitz is sort of this agoraphobic tech worker and she tries to do the right thing yeah. and she keeps running up against running up against brick walls and you find out the brick walls actually have some motivation to to keep this this potential murder quiet. I think it sounds like a really interesting, really interesting concept. The screenplay is written by David Kep. And right oh, now they're yeah. saying the runtime is two and a half hours. Holy shit. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if that's correct, but what I read is two hours and 29 minutes. I'm like, well, that's a long, that's a long movie. Gonna be um, 20 minutes of credits. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about it. I mean, okay. watching Rita Wilson only pops up in the trailer very briefly, but getting to see her play kind of a different shade, sort of yeah. a uh, possible possible villainous shade. I was like, oh, this this looks like a this looks like a great movie that you would have found at Blockbuster, um, and you rented it based off the cover. And yeah, I'm on a big Blockbuster kick today. I don't your know why. Second Blockbuster reference this episode, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not done. <laughs> so that one's going to be streaming February 10th on HBO Max. And our last trailer, which is uh, a series that we've been talking about for a little while, is Bel Air. So this is the remake, reboot, um, reconceptualizing of basically the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. The gentleman named Morgan Cooper. Back in 2019, decided to make a trailer on what would happen if Fresh Prince of Bel Air was a drama. And you want to talk about talk about a guy that uh, uh, he, he shot his shot, and mm -hmm. they picked it up. And the trailer, the first trailer for this, looks really compelling. I mean, yeah. you have you have a much cooler Jeffrey, a much cooler Uncle Phil. Uh, it, it it just seems like a, a show that as you're like they're hitting the same beats that the sitcom hit but just through a different lens. And as, at least as I was watching it, kind of like, yeah, this makes total sense. It's like watching it through this lens. I'm like, it surprises me that this wasn't the initial take versus the comedic take. But gentlemen, what did you all think of our first look at Bel Air? Mike? I mean, I'm super down for this. I, this was a trailer I'm most excited about. Uh, it blew me away. I can't wait. I mean, I grew up on Fresh Prince of Bel Air. And I think you're right. Like, I mean, they didn't, What's really cool about it is that it's not really, aside from a few details that you get out of the trailer, <clears throat> it's not like a drastic reinvention. It literally is the exact same story. Um, 
almost beat for beat, but just slightly turned in a different direction. And I think that what it really does show is how great Fresh Prince of Bel-Air the series really was. I mean, there's a reason that that show rocketed Will Smith to where Will Smith still is today. And it's because that show really worked. It told a compelling story about two different sides of the black experience coming together. And it told it in a really funny, really... 90s sitcom way but a lot of the things that they dealt with and a lot of the stories that they told work just as well in a dramatic setting and that's what we're seeing here and again it's just like the conversation we were having about um about rear window and hitchcock a minute ago if you are of a certain age you're going to want to watch this because you are going to see the show of your childhood told through a totally different lens yeah but what's really great about this trailer is i think if you've never watched fresh prince of bel-air and you go to watch this it's equally as compelling because that's just a compelling story yeah yeah i mean shout out to our friend cassandra freeman uh, who's playing the legendary aunt vivian and looking gorgeous uh, and i can't wait to see what she's going to do with this role in the show i loved i did a trailer reaction for it because I'd read a little bit of the synopsis on Variety, and they were saying, yeah, this is actually a damn good, interesting approach with the dramatic take. And I'm like, okay, I hadn't seen Morgan Cooper's film, so I'm going to be like, I'm going to, or trailer or whatever he'd created. So I'm like, I'm going to give this thing a shot. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I really like this trailer. And I'm a passive Fresh Prince of Bel Air fan. That was just a little bit past my time, uh, and I didn't go back I and watch not. it. Yeah, well, I know. I know. <laughs> That's why this works so well to talk about it. So I was like, oh, yeah, remember the Uncle Phil episode was dad. You know, why does he love me, Uncle Phil? I remember that, the Aunt Viv drama and the controversy. I remember all of that. Uh, and, of course, uh, Carlton's dance. That, uh, very much aware of it in the pop culture world. But um, I was just a little bit older for it. So, But I've gone back to watch episodes. But watching this, this piques my interest. This is very curious, knowing the bones, as Shannon pointed out, the bones are there, but in a completely different way, in a way that works. I mean, there's a lot of intrigue here. It almost feels like Empire um, for Fresh Prince of Bel-Air because you're not sure yeah. what side of the fence. I mean, what's this allusion to the fact that we owe him at the end? What, is she, what does Aunt Vivian mean by that? What did they do that they feel they owe Will to take care of him and raise him right? I mean, you've got Carlton. Carlton ain't doing no stupid dance. Carlton is badass, and he embraces the fact that he's a rich kid in this world doing his thing. You've got the white snobby kid, which is great, straight out of an 80s movie. And then you've got Jeffrey, who's handling business like nobody's business. And then his Uncle Phil, his Uncle Phil looks like he might be involved in some shady shit. And so you're just like, this is going to be really, really interesting. (coughs) If the writing is there, if the acting is there and direction is there, this could be a really big hit and be one of the first things that's redone in a completely different approach and be as successful as the original source that it is based on. And they've gone through three showrunners, by the way, and they finally settled on their top two lead writers as their showrunners with Malcolm Spellman and Mm -hmm. Will Smith as executive producers, along with Quincy Jones. So this has got got all kinds of pedigree to be great. This is a good trailer. I I do feel it needs to be said that Mm -hmm. in college, I was not the most dramatic of actors. I was mostly comedic. But one of the better dramatic scenes I did was Streetcar Named Desire, where I was Stanley and Cassandra Freeman was Stella. Mm. And she is one of my favorite actresses that I ever acted with. So I am very excited to see her because she made me a better actor in that acting class. (laughs) And before we wrap up here, I'll be really curious to see what this does for Peacock. 
Because mm. at this point, Peacock has not had the series that has really moved the needle. Yeah. I mean, they have three different tiers of membership, a free one where they'll mm-hmm. let you watch the first episode of a show. And then they have one that's like, uh, uh, you, you, get, you get some ads, but you get all the premium content. And then you mm-hmm. have premium content with no ads. Yeah. Will this be the show that finally gets, you know, puts uh, Peacock uh, in the spotlight? Yeah, I have I have the one with no ads because of Premier League to watch Liverpool because they show a lot of Liverpool games in Premier League uh, there on Peacock. But they're I mean they and they bought the WWE, so they've got those premier pay per view uh, shows as well. But you're right, Shannon. They don't have a signature show. There's been you know AP Bio. There's been all those kinds of things, but there hasn't been that one. And you're right. This could be the one that kind of blows them up. Sorry, Mike. I will saying? say as people are going to check out Bel Air when it comes out. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I have I have premium Peacock. There's not a ton to watch, but. The level of high high recommendation that I have for the Saved by the Bell reboot, if you haven't watched it, I'm not lying. I, fair enough, fair I'm enough. telling you, I'm telling you, you think this is like, oh God, Saved by the Bell. This is one of the smarter shows on any of the streaming services that handles issues of race and gender and progressive and everything else in the weirdest, funkiest way. And it's amazing and it's funny. And everybody has to go check out Saved by the Bell. There's two seasons on Peacock right now. Go watch it. You'll thank me. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Uh, makes you wonder why John Michael Higgins did that uh, Asian accent in yeah. Licorice Pizza. Anyway, oh. all right. Anyway, or 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 you can or you can trust Shannon and just go see uh, bands in haunted house movies. <laughs> oh my gosh! Flash forward six weeks, you're going to be dining on those words with a knife and a fork. I, have to say, I really like the movie. I was surprised by it. Oh, there you go. Uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break and get into our main topic. Here, our main topic, we're going to talk about our top five films that we're looking forward to seeing in 2022. We took a week off during the holidays, so this is our way of kind of making up for that and talking about it now in our main topic here. We'll be right back right after this. Did you know there's a curious lack of songs with the words 2022 in them? Wow. Wow. That's all I got. I I, I was honestly uh, uh, Googling at the beginning of the show, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to come up with anything. Woof. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into this thing here. Top five films of 2022. Uh, I think we'll just kind of let's just say your five and then, you know, we'll talk about your five and which is the one that really kind of is the one you're most looking forward to. Let's start with you, Shannon. Do you have your five listed out? I do. Okay, I do. Please. So I made I made a conscious choice not to have more than one MCU film and more than one DC film. Okay. Just to kind of, you know, spread spread the love. So okay. my MCU film that I'm the most excited for right now is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Mm. Just out of curiosity. I'm so curious. Like one, very excited for the possible introduction of Namor uh, into the mm. MCU, which, you know, they have not uh, confirmed yet. Um, so that might not happen, but also I'm just curious to see how Ryan Coogler was able to pick up the pieces and create this new story. I mean, everything that Ryan Coogler has done, in my opinion, he's knocked out of the park. So I have to think that, uh, the challenge is notwithstanding that he's going to do it again. And Mm -hmm. I'm just really curious to revisit that the world of Wakanda. Um, there's actually a video out right now, um, from Avengers Campus, which is out here in California, uh, Disney's California Adventure, right. of a young, young, young girl talking with the Dormelage, and you get to see this interaction, and just oh my gosh, it was just it you know it brought tears to my eyes. It was just mm-hmm. the sweetest thing. Um, so yes, for the MCU, it's Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, which will hopefully be out in November. For the DC, you. EU, yeah. 
whatever acronym they're using. Um, <laughs> honestly, it's Black Adam. Like, uh, I know a lot of folks would probably think it was Aquaman too. Um, but Aquaman, James Wan's Aquaman, I'm like, okay, I get the world. I get what we're going to get. Um, and, and I wasn't a huge fan of it. Like, I, I was thrilled to have an Aquaman movie, despite the fact that it did not necessarily uh, <laughs> leave me wanting more. Hopefully it's, hopefully it's good. But Black Adam is the one I'm the most curious about. Um, mainly because, not because of The Rock, but because of uh, Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate and Aldous Hodge as Hawkman. Like, yeah. knowing going forward what they're going to do, how it seems like The Flash is probably going to do a big reset on the entire DC film catalog. Um, and Black Adam comes out in July. Like, what is this world? Does this exist in the same world as Superman, Batman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and The Flash? Or is this going to be something else? Is this sort of its own thing? Um, seeing Hawkman on screen is something I didn't think done. I don't want to say done well. I don't want to throw any shade at the CW shows. But um, watching watching Hawkman portrayed well on screen is something I'm really looking forward to. And Aldous Hodge is just a, a powerhouse actor. And getting to see him play Carter Hall, I think, is going to be one of the coolest things. Um, number three... Doesn't have a date yet. Supposed to come out in 2022, but Knives Out 2 for Netflix. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Knives Out was one of my favorite films of that year. And it was one that I wasn't expecting to really enjoy. I thought the trailers were interesting, but I, not being a biggest fan, not being the biggest fan of The Last Jedi, I was kind of like, nah, I don't really want to, I don't care what Ryan Johnson does next. <laughs> um, and then watching that movie. <laughs> <laughs> poke, poke, poke. Um, watching Knives Out too, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is this is like a throwback to the old movies where you get a bunch of stars together in a big murder mystery." And it was so much fun. I mean, getting to see the you know further adventures of Benoit Blanc with the cast that they've assembled, and you know they filmed, I believe it was over in Greece. But the fact that they've got uh, Catherine Hahn, Jessica Henwick, Edward Norton, Leslie Odom Jr., Janelle Monet, Kate Hudson, Ethan Hawke. I mean, to me, I was like, this, that, that has the potential to be just an incredibly fun, incredibly fun two hour ride. Yeah. And even though it is releasing directly to Netflix, occasionally, like they did with uh, Army of the Dead, like they will put it on some screens. And that's one I, I am hoping to see on screen. Yeah. Uh, the next one, also a Netflix movie, is The Gray Man, which is uh, from the Russo brothers, mm. starring uh, Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans, and how Ryan Gosling is this ex-CIA operative who may have turned into an assassin, and it's Chris Evans going after him. Um, again, theatrically, the Russo brothers um, have a really high batting average. I was not the biggest fan of uh, Cherry. But everything else they've done, I've really, really enjoyed. So this is something, this just seems like, a, like again, a good like 90s, potentially 90s action throwback where you just yeah. have two really compelling actors kind of duking it out. And I think that's four, is that four that I've done? Black Panther, Knives Out 2, The Gray Man, Black Adam, Black Panther. Yeah, okay. So my last one yeah. um, coming out next summer is Elvis. Uh, the new Baz Luhrmann movie. Oh, yeah. Elvis, where Tom Hanks is going to be playing Colonel Parker. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is not normally the type of movie that I would, I would be jonesing for, but I'm a huge Tom Hanks fan and getting to see him take on sort of a, uh, 
potentially morally duplicitous character, I think is really interesting. The fact that uh, Baz Luhrmann hasn't done anything in like 10 years, I'm very yeah. curious to see how this one turns out. So those are my top five for 2022. Well, you got COVID for that movie. So I hope it's good. For God's <laughs> sakes. I hope it's good. Uh, all right. Mikey, do you have five? Let me go first. I got five, but you okay. can go or I can go. What do you want? No, go if you're ready. All right. Well, trying. I mean, I mostly kept with Shannon on the one Marvel, one DC. I guess I technically have two Marvel movies, but yeah. uh, what are you going to do? Uh, so, uh, my picks are, uh, out of the Marvel movies, I'm obviously excited for all of them, but if I really was being honest, I think the one that I'm most excited about is Thor Love and Thunder because it's the one we know the least about. Like, I think that I'm, I'm super excited about, uh, female Thor. I'm super excited about the Guardians being in it. And I'm super excited about seeing where Taika Waititi takes stuff because if Ragnarok is any indication... This is going to be another fucking crazy, weird, and yet amazing home run movie. So I think my expectations for it are really high. And I think that, you know, we've talked so much about Wakanda forever and we've heard a lot of rumors and we know like that it's changing around and we know that Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness is going to be batshit insane and with all the Scarlet Witch goodness that we could all want. But Thor Love and Thunder is just such a big question mark that it has me super, super excited. Okay. Um, and then the other one that is not MCU, but is still Marvel, is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is one of the best animated movies ever. And yeah. uh, in the running for best Spider-Man movie ever, I'm still living in my uh, No Way Home afterglow. So I don't know that it's the best, but time will tell. But it's definitely up there. And, you know, I think what, and we've talked about this with just some other animated movie trailers that have come out, like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse changed the landscape of animation and what you can do in an animated feature film. And so just seeing where they're going to take this story with these characters, uh, like, I just literally couldn't be more excited. Um, On the DC front, actually, The Flash. Mm, Uh, Okay. Not... Not because I'm super, super excited about the movie, but I'm just super, I'm, I'm really curious to see if they can pull it off and if this really does reset the DC universe. Um, I would honestly love nothing more than to walk out of the flash and be like, well, I'm on board with the DC universe now. Like, I'm, I'm great. Like, we've, we've moved through the Snyder era. We've moved through everyone else. Everyone makes fun of me for hating DC, even though I don't really hate DC. And I would love to come out of the flash movie and be like, hey, I love this Supergirl. I love Michael Keaton as Batman. I'm in. I'm on board. Let's ride. So, <laughs> I would. I would really, really love that. Um, I think that. Ah, uh, oh, fuck. I have six. Okay, it's fine. I'm gonna. I'll lose one. Um, okay. Next one is gonna be Lightyear. Uh, okay. Yeah. I. It is. It, it just looks so crazy, and I. I. I really like. I think it looks amazing. The trailer's awesome. Seeing like the real Buzz Lightyear is such an interesting idea, but I think what's also really interesting to me is can Disney sort of revitalize Buzz Lightyear? You know, I mean, Toy Story, I mean, Woody and Buzz Lightyear are the original characters that put Pixar on the map. And they've managed to get four amazing movies, uh, you know, each one really, really good in their own way. And have extended those things, but Buzz Lightyear as a toy and as a character, he's really old. Yeah. Um, and if this movie can sort of give a new lease on life to Buzz Lightyear, like if this can spin off into, oh shit, we want this Chris Evans Buzz Lightyear in multiple movies now. Like yeah. I think that yeah. 
is going to be really interesting. And I just think as a storytelling challenge, um, what this movie is going to be. I mean, you know, like it's the same thing we talk about with every Pixar movie is, you know, there's more to it than here's like a really fun space adventure with Buzz Lightyear. You know that there is going to be some deep emotional shit that we're all going to take to therapy with us (laughs) in this movie. And I don't know what it is, but it makes me really excited. And then the other one, which everyone can make fun of me for, uh, and we'll see if it actually comes out, is Avatar 2. I'm super stoked. I am. I don't care. I know. I know that Avatar One does not have the best script, and I know that it is dances with Smurfs. Like I get all of the reasons <laughs> that Avatar is kind of ridiculous. Like Unobtainium is the dumbest name. Oh my god! For any kind of mineral. I I can get on board with all the reasons that we can make fun of Avatar. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. Yeah. I saw that movie so many times in theaters. I can't get enough of it. If I put that movie on, I will sit and watch the entire thing. I get into it. Taruk Makto. I see you, Jake Sully. Like I am I'm on board with that movie. So so I'm like I'm in. I'm in. So like so like and also like James Cameron as a director, I mean Yeah. Don't bet against James Cameron. You like, kind of can't don't ever do it. Yeah. Like yeah. James Cameron has delivered more. I mean, he's done less movies than a lot of other directors, so he's got that. But like, his track record is pretty much flawless as far as just like box office success, yeah. um, and and many people would argue like just fun quality, whatever. So yeah. uh, I don't. Maybe Avatar Two is going to be just a complete disaster. Maybe this plan for the eight Avatar movies they're going to do is a complete disaster, <laughs> however many it is. But until I see that movie as a disaster, I am super excited to go back to Pandora. I'm yeah. in. Fair enough. Fair enough. There you go. There's Mike's top five, Shannon's top five. So we'll start with mine. No one's mentioned it yet, so I'll say it. The Batman. I mean, I I can't uh, tell you how much I'm looking forward to this one. I love the Batman character. I connect to the Batman character. I read as many Batman things as I can. And we've seen shades of the Batman that I love in the different versions we've had so far. But this one feels like the most complete approach to the Batman that I want to see theatrically. The approach, the seven vibe to it, the gr- the grimy, uh, uh, you know, kind of grind throughout. The- I loved the look of this thing. And it the- every trailer has been incredible. And this looks like it's going to be one of these, you know, people are pushing into the Spider-Verse for, or sorry, um, No Way Home for Best Picture. I think Batman, the Batman is going to be an undeniable choice if it's incredible. Ooh. I really do. I really think it has that pedigree from the trailers that I've seen to kind of break through these people's issues with comic book movies overall. And I want to see if Robert Pattinson can do it. I want to see, I mean, someone posted that picture of the Riddler and said, where was he on January 6th? I thought that was funny. And that tells you the kind of approach that you're dealing with here. And Zoe Kravitz, we'll see him. So we saw, we talked about her and Kimmy. We'll see what she does with Catwoman, but it looks incredible. And of course, uh, Colin Farrell as Penguin. My other one, how can it not be? Top Gun Maverick, ladies and gentlemen. Put that on the table. <laughs> I've been waiting two fucking years for that movie. I was <clears> still <throat> employed at Collider when that first trailer came out. That's how fucking long I've been waiting for that goddamn movie. And now it's coming this year, hopefully. And if there's another variant, I'm going to shoot it in the face. Because, goddamn it, I want Top Gun Maverick in an IMAX screen. And I want to see it. And I heard rumors that this thing had come, that they had done a screening for it 
in LA last week and I reached out to a couple of publicists here and said, what the fuck? And so I, I absolutely want to have a shot at seeing this thing as quickly and as soon as possible. Top, uh, Tom Cruise coming back. I want to see if they pull it off. I want to see Val Kilmer, what's his situation in all of this. And I want to see what the younger guys can do with this. Glenn Howell and, um, uh, uh, oh shit, I forget his Miles name. Teller. Miles Teller. Miles Teller, yeah. You can see what they can do with it. So the other one is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness for different reasons. And that is because I don't know if Sam Raimi can pull this off. I really don't. I, I didn't come out of Spider-Man 3 liking it. I haven't always been the biggest fan of Sam Dutch Dutch Angle Raimi. I haven't always been the biggest fan of his approach to things. You know, I like elements of his movies. I like extended scenes in his movies. But overall, I don't always 100% walk out of his movies going, that was great. And so I'm wondering if he can balance all of this and 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 and, and pull it off, you know, because Spider-Man No Way Home, that's a hell of a thing to follow. That is such yeah. a incredible film. So we'll see if Sam can do that. My fourth film is Mission Impossible 7, another Tom Cruise film that's been delayed and delayed and delayed. And hey, my man had to lose his mind a little bit to get him to focus <laughs> on wearing a mask. And I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Um, and I am looking forward to this. I mean, we're getting, what's so great about 7 is that we're getting uh, tentacles reaching all the way back to the original film. Henry Cherney is coming back, who was the main villain of the first film. Isai Morales is going to be in this. Shea Wiggum, who I love, is a fantastic character actor, is going to be in this. And you're getting, you're getting everybody back. Simon Pegg, Ving Rhames. You're getting Rebecca Ferguson back. And you're adding Haley Atwell and Palm Clementioff. So nice to see these elements being a part of the Mission Impossible series. Uh, and, of course, they're shooting them back-to-back because Tom ain't getting any younger. So you might as well get that done now and then <laughs> knock these things out. No offense to Tom. Uh, and then my fifth one is an unusual film that I recently saw the trailer for and did a reaction for, and that's The Northman, this new film mm. from Robert Eggers, <clears throat> this Viking revenge film, Hove with Alexander Skarsgård. It looks awesome absolutely awesome bjork going way out into the stratosphere uh being a part of this thing it just looks great the visuals on the trailer were incredible and i love me a revenge film i love me a period revenge film and then you're gonna go i love me a viking revenge film i mean for god's sakes let's do this thing it looks awesome and of course robert eggers with the lighthouse um uh, and the witch i think uh just incredible work that he's been able to do as a director so i'm excited to see him tackling something like this so those are my five that i would throw out there to balance out my gentlemen my friends. have you played the valhalla the assassin's creed valhalla it's John? sitting right there bud it's sitting right okay there. <laughs> of course i played it on twitch there's videos of me playing it on twitch oh, oh please yes <laughs> absolutely i gotta finish it i gotta finish that in jedi fallen just, order as well so yeah just just Eating raw meat, drinking mead with your little oh. Viking helmet on oh. and your PlayStation, oh. just like screaming at the TV. That, that's <laughs> the lady outlaw comes in. What are you doing? Bring me mead, <laughs> woman. Bring me the that that, that all tracks. That Bring all me tracks. the leg of that cow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, look, absolutely. I think it's like it is going to be interesting. I mean, look, like as we were talking about with turning red and Encanto, like just depending on what happens, like. How many of these movies are yeah. going to make it? How many movies are going to get pushed? How many yeah. movies are going to go to streaming? And like, you know, it's like everything is kind of a, uh, we're up in the air. Like it's some days it feels like we're at the tail end and then you knock on wood real quick and you're yeah. like, okay, but what's the next variant? So this year is kind of, I mean, you know, like I was saying with Avatar, like the Avatar movies have been pushed so many times. It's like, yeah. maybe we'll see that this year, but I just, uh, 
I'm glad that we have so many movies to be excited about coming out in theaters True. as opposed to a year or so ago where we were like, well, we're waiting a year. Yeah. And <laughs> it'll be interesting to see which ones make it to theaters and also uh, which ones kind of like Spider-Man No Way Home get people into theaters. Yeah. Uh, despite mm. the fears, despite the concerns, yeah. what are the event movies that get people out in theaters? And then yeah. we'll see a countless number of articles about how only, you know, like Ben Affleck said this week, that only event films are going to be in theaters now and everything is going to go to streaming, which may or may not be true once we get out of the entire mess that we're in as a yeah. planet. Well, but we'll so, see. Some of us have been uh, saying uh, that for years, but yeah. Yes. Go ahead, yeah. Event films and Studio 666. Oh, boy. Oh, God. I if anything's God. made for streaming, it's Studio 666. <laughs> if, you if you don't see it on February 25th, you'll be able to, see, you'll be able to stream it on March 2nd. On February 26th. Out of, the three, out of the three trailers we had, two were going to streaming, and that's the one that's going into a theater. <laughs> true, 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 true. Um, yeah, and speaking of Ben Affleck, real quick, if you guys haven't watched The Tender Bar on Amazon Prime, can't encourage you enough. It is so effing good. Please uh, for those of you who are watching and uh, to my compatriots here, The Tender Bar, it is one of the greatest performances of Ben Affleck's career. No lie. No lie. It really is a surprisingly great film. So after you Amazon. check out after you check out Saved by the Bell on Peacock, absolutely <laughs> go check out uh, that. Yeah, It'll be great. There you go. There you How go. can uh, you sit there and besmirch Studio 666 and you're trumpeting Saved by the Bell? <laughs> sir. Sir, so, uh, we don't have, have time you watched it. Have you watched it? Is Mario Lopez in it? Then yeah, I'm not gonna watch. It. Uh, all right, uh, Shannon. Thank you all so much for watching this episode of the Geek Buddies. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. Uh, if you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you follow both of us, you can see our Wordle scores every day. And if you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca says. What the hell is that? I've seen that. What the hell? If you are a lover of comedy like me, a cinephile like Roca, or Shannon, you have somebody here who is on your side <laughs> and someone that you can relate to. Uh, and we love all of you guys. We love all the opinions. And we want to keep things going. So here's what you guys can do for us. Uh, click the like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outline Nation page, leave your comments below in the YouTube channel, let us know what you guys thought of everything, what are you excited about, how stoked are you for Studio 666, like just let us know what's going on down below. <laughs> if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, take a quick second, leave us some stars, leave us some comments, it helps us go up in the rankings so when people search for entertainment podcasts, they find us. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is... Retweet this video, post it on your socials, let everybody know that they should check out the Geek Buddies because we have a really good time talking geeky shit. That's for sure. That's for sure. And once again, a big shout out to uh, the to Carbon Health, who is powering and sponsoring uh, the Geek Buddies and the Outlaw Nation. Thank you so much for doing that. And please, if you are looking to get tested, if you've got anything going on with you physically that you're not sure about, that you're kind of on the fence about, go get tested. Go see somebody carbonhealth.com just go to that website there and see all the multiple clinics that are available in 14 states see all the virtual care that's available for you to uh, be in contact with and also if you want to get tested for covid for omicron all of that they've got testing going on now and if you're going overseas they've certainly got testing to go going on for that as well so you can get uh fully cleared to travel and see friends and family or just to travel again 
for those of you that can. All right, thank you so much for joining us here. We love you all madly, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here from the Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.